is forgiveness of sins conditional? Is the prayer, the sinner's prayer, a requirement for salvation? And is repentance from sin also a requirement for salvation? Hi everyone, my name is Francis Simeon and you are watching the Pauline Fellowship Bible Study Hour. Uh, today, we are talking about part three of the dispensational value of the gospel of Christ. Part three, uh, part three, of course, would be the doctrinal differences between the kingdom gospels and the gospel of Christ. Part one was just the introduction to the dispensational value. Part two would be the basic differences between the uh, kingdom gospel and the gospel of Christ. And part three is the doctrinal differences. Uh, before we move forward, I would like to say thank you to everyone who's listening and who's tuning in to either watch or listen. Uh, if you want to know how to do that, uh, please go over to uh, YouTube and uh, don't only hit subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell as well so you are in the know every time a an episode drops. Um not only that, we also have our podcast. It's called the Workman Unashamed Podcast. So every Bible study that we have, um, the same that you're watching on video on YouTube, is also being recorded in audio. So if you don't have a chance to watch it, um, you don't have time to be on in front of a TV, you can a actually go to either Apple, Spotify, um, Google or Amazon or wherever you get your your uh, podcast, download, subscribe and download and you can listen to it whether you're on your commute or whether you're driving or running an errand or something. So you can, uh, you know, you can avail of the same Bible study that everyone's watching as well. I'd like to say... Uh, welcome to everyone, uh, whether, wherever you are from. I know we have a lot of people from the Philippines. Happy Independence Day, belated Independence Day, uh, June the 12th. Um, I know these are earthly things, but seeing as that I'm from the Philippines and I love the, uh, the Philippines, um, then I definitely want to plug that in there. Also, uh, welcome to everyone. Thank you and welcome to everyone that's watching from the U.S., we have people watching from the Netherlands, uh, Switzerland, uh, the United Arab Emirates, England, Jamaica. Uh, we have, I think, the last. We also have some people from the U uh, Ukraine and from Russia listening. Uh, also, people from, did I say England already? England, Thailand, uh, and uh, I think the last one that I wanted to mention was South Korea. So... Uh, I hope everyone is, you know, everyone's blessed by the, by the uh, Bible studies. So let's, you know, let's move forward. The dispensational value of the gospel of Christ, part three. Let's get to it, shall we? The doctrinal differences between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of Christ. So part three of the dispensational value of the kingdom of, or sorry, of the gospel of Christ. So the past uh, couple of weeks ago, um, we discussed, uh, uh, we talked about the basic and just the fundamental difference 
uh, differences between the kingdom gospel and um, the gospel of Christ. This week and today, we're talking about the doctrinal differences. Even if we wanted to go deep into them, uh, we just don't have enough time. So don't worry. We, we will um, have separate um, sessions and hopefully by God's grace and just, you know, time that he would give us or allow us, we would talk about individual topics such as um, uh, forgiveness of sins, um, turning away from, you know, turning away from or repentance, if you will, as well as... Um, the Lord's Prayer, or or not the Lord's Prayer, but sin, the Sinner's Prayer, uh, which a lot of people say is a requirement for salvation. And then, uh, so we hopefully, God willing, we will be talking about those separately in the weeks to come. But before that, number three, which we haven't gone to yet, would be the practical differences between the kingdom gospel and the gospel of the grace of God or the gospel of Christ. So just an overview of God's different messages. As you can see in our chart over here, uh, last week we talked about how the devil wanted to be like the most high and the Most High is described in the book of Genesis as the possessor of heaven and earth. Now, um, earth, uh, God's plan for earth was not a, a secret. He told people, um, and he wrote it down. Uh, he told uh, the prophets what his plan was for earth. But his plan for heaven was a secret. It was a mystery. Hence, we have two prophet or two programs. One is the prophetic program, which is the earthly program, and then the mystery program, which is the heavenly program. Evidently, there's different gospels. There's different messages for those two things. Things that are different are not the same. Okay. So when we talked about the basic differences last week or two weeks ago. We just went, uh, uh, sorry, we just went and talked about um, the basic ones, hence, you know, the heading, basic ones. So we have uh, speakers, John the Baptist, Jesus' disciples, uh, Peter and the Twelve for the gos uh, kingdom gospel, and then the Pauline gospel, of course, the, uh, the, the speaker is the Apostle Paul. The audience... Um, we have the nation of Israel uh, and then uh, the kingdom gospel after after the cross, beginning with Israel to branch out to the nations as their head. And when we talk about nations, um, we talk about unto all the world. Obviously, it goes back to the earthly or prophetic um, prophetic uh, program wherein, of course, uh, uh, there, the the people during that time does not go into the way of the Gentiles unless um, 
the the Gentiles have of course met the conditions just like the Gentiles Gentile in Acts chapter number ten and uh, the Gentile lady in Matthew, where where they have you know they have subjected themselves into the program of Israel, but when they go to the nations during this time, they go of course to the different nation localities but the people that they go to are of course the people of israel still okay but in the pauline gospel we're talking about everyone there are no distinction whatsoever okay jew or gentile now the content of course in the kingdom gospel before the cross repent for the kingdom is at hand and then after the cross, hey, Jesus, from the line of David and the one that God raised from the dead, after you slew him, he's Christ. Repent and be baptized. Now, is that the same gospel? Is that the same content of the gospel that we have under the, the, the dispensation of grace? No. The content of our gospel is Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Nothing we can do can save us. Okay? Nothing we can do can pay for our sins. It's only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's uh, Romans, the book of Romans summar summarizes, it, summarizes it as faith in his blood. Okay? The destinations are different, of course. Everyone in the earthly kingdom are looking forward to a kingdom. Uh, sorry, er everyone in the prophetic kingdom uh, prophetic program is looking forward to an earthly kingdom because that what that's what was promised to them from the very beginning while under the dispensation of grace we are a heavenly people we are looking up that's what we're looking for that's our destination and finally the program again during the kingdom uh, gospels is prophecy and during the Pauline gospel is that of mystery. Now let's go to the doctrinal differences. And again, I hope there is more time to discuss more doctrinal differences. But for just for the sake of time, we're just going to focus on th er, these three. Um, see, we still have a um, typographical error over here. So please forgive me. Under the kingdom, uh, kingdom gospel, right? Uh, actually, before and after the cross, forgiveness is future and conditional. Forgiveness is future and conditional. Under the Pauline gospel, once you are saved, upon belief, upon your belief, you have full forgiveness. And it is unconditional. You don't lose it. Amen and amen. Number two, supposed to be number two again. So I beg your pardon for the typo error. Under the kingdom of God, the sinner's prayer is required. We'll show, we'll show the verses later on. Under the Pauline gospel, um, it is not required. Only believed. Okay. Again, uh, repentance from so it seems like somebody this somebody wanted to talk about a number two, <laughs> which is uh you know between forgiveness and sinner's prayer, but then decided not to for time's sakes. Yes, that's me. So we just sort of skipped that. Anyway, um, I'll tell you what that number two is, 
and that's actually supposed to be the lordship salvation. But that's all right. We'll have a separate topic for that because what we're talking over here under the gospel, uh, kingdom gospel, which is forgiveness is future and conditional, sinner's prayer is required, repentance from sin, you know, repent because they crucified their Messiah uh, or because they have been um, looking for a different king. Um, all of that is part, if you will, and, and we will sort of make that case of lordship salvation. And so we decided that that's going to be a long topic, and so we skipped number two. Anyway, repentance from sin uh, and the kingdom gospel, repent because you crucified your Messiah. Uh, on the other hand, under the Pauline gospel, uh, repentance from sin is not required. Only believe. All right, so let's talk about forgiveness, shall we? Let's talk about forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. Now, this has been a controversial topic, and a lot of you have sent messages, and a lot of you have talked about how, you know, forgiveness is at the cross. Justification is when you believe. Um, so... I would submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that that is what you get from traditional um, traditional churches, religion, Christianity, evangelical Christianity, if you will, or churchianity, if you will. But that is not what happens. That's not what the Apostle Paul taught. Um, so let's look at the verses before we continue. Again, if you want to talk about or if you want to go back to our uh, previous lessons about forgiveness of sins, you may do so. So uh, we're not going to go too, uh, too deep into this. All right. So Matthew chapter number six, verse 14 and 15. Let me show you how it is uh, conditional. Forgiveness is conditional during the kingdom gospel. And as you can see, this is right smack after the Lord Jesus Christ taught the, the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6, 14, for if ye, if, if, ah, if. So that's uh, conditional, is it not? If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly fa Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay. Uh, so obviously, from the verse, it is conditional. Acts chapter number 3, 19 to 21. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the repentance of the Lord. Okay? That your sins shall uh that your sins may be blotted out. So may also denotes condition. Be blotted out. When? When? When when are we talking about? When, when is this going to happen? Right away. Nope. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God had spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So let's go back to our chart over here. As you can see with the green arrow where we are right now, that is us. This is where this is our time. So forgiveness of sins you get as soon as you believe. 
that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you, for your sins, was buried, and the third day rose again, and his sacrifice alone can save you nothing else. You cannot do anything. Amen. Now, if I may direct your um, your attention to the orange um, orange arrow over here, the first one, uh, close to the cross, that's where when the Lord Jesus Christ taught the Lord's uh, prayer, and then after that he said, well, you can be forgiven by the Father if you forgive. And then after the, after the cross, the Apostle Peter was talking about, hey, uh, you know, repent so your sins may be forgiven. When? When is that going to happen? Over here, the second, the second orange arrow over here, closer, which is pointing to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you can see, uh, forgiveness of sins during that time is future and, or sorry, yeah, future. And this, this is not even, the second orange isn't even pointing to the cross, which a lot of people say, uh, a lot of people who don't rightly divide the word of truth say, Everyone before the cross is saved by looking forward to the cross. See? See how it does not reconcile when their forgiveness points towards the kingdom, the arrival, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, not even to the cross. Okay? Um, so things that are different are not the same. How about our time? How, how about us during our time over here in this green arrow over here. Galatians chapter number 2 verses 13 to 14 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened. Hello, you're alive. Amen. As soon as you got saved, you are quickened. Before you get saved, you are... In your sins, dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So, if you're saying that everyone was forgiven, and when we already know that Acts chapter number three, that not everyone, because they're going some, because the people that were being talked to in Acts chapter number three refers or it, their their forgiveness of sins is pointed towards the future. Okay. Not at the cross, but when let's let's give it to the people who say that forgiveness of sin happens at the cross. If everyone's sin is forgiven at the cross, then does that mean that people who are forgiven but have not believed, people that are dead in their sins? and the uncircumcision of their flesh because they have not believed, their sins have already been forgiven? Well, let's see. Had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Okay, so let's unpack this real quick over here. So, uh, one 
and what on one hand you have uh the fact that the people that are being talked to are already quickened meaning they're alive spiritually meaning they're saved people who are alive people who are saved are forgiven all trespasses now some people would go down and say well look at that when did this happen it happened when christ nailed it to his cross the last phrase over there well let's look forward let's look at other verses shall we ephesians 1 7 in whom in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace in whom who are we talking about if you read ephesians chapters number chapter 1 verses 1 to 6 the context who are we talking about over here we're talking about the lord jesus christ in whom in christ we have redemption through his blood in christ we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so are you telling me if everyone had received forgiveness of sin at sins at the cross whether they have uh, even if they have not believed yet are you telling me that they are in christ of course not of course not see the fact of the matter is sure I mean, there's no there's no contest. The cross is where the Lord Jesus Christ paid for it. See? But see, it doesn't really help you because the cross is where the Lord Jesus Christ died. That's not where he was buried. And then, of course, later on, three days later, he rose, uh, he, he rose again. According to the scriptures. So if you're just going to say the cross is where everyone is forgiven, then that does not really help anyone, does it? Because you are forgetting the, sec the, the last two components of our gospel, which is the burial and the resurrection. But yeah, there's, there are verses that says where the Lord Jesus Christ died and that's where he paid the ransom for our sin. And that happened at the cross. See, the fact of the matter is the cross is where sin was paid for. That was when forgiveness began to be available to everyone. See, it's available, but how, you know, like, like, hey, like things in the store, gas, gas prices are so high. But even though they're available, how can we, how can we avail of, how can we, how can we have, how can it you know, it's it's in the gas tank. It's in the gas pumps. It's there. It's available. But it does not do us any good if it transfers from the gas pumps into our vehicle tank. Does it? So forgiveness began to be available to everyone. It was completed at the resurrection, but it only gets applied to you once you believe the gospel. You only get access to it when you are in Christ. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter number 4. Uh, verse 25 over all the way to Romans 5. Verse 2, the Bible says, who was delivered for our offenses, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Obviously, that happens in, that happened in the cross and was raised again for our what justification. So a lot of people say, no, 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 no. Now, forgiveness happened on the cross. When you're saying about what you're saying about, you know, it, you only get access to it when you believe, when you are put in Christ, that's talking about justification. Now, see, that doesn't really do you any good if you're just talking about one thing. Because forgiveness is one side of the coin of justification and being declared righteous is the other side. It goes hand in hand. If you don't have if you have one but not the other, it does not do you any good. Just like if you have the death but no burial and resurrection, or if you have burial, the burial but you have no death and resurrection, or if you have the resurrection but no burial and death, then what does what good does that do you? Now, he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Right? That's verse number 25. You scoot on over to verse number 1 of chapter number 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have what? Access. How do we access? By faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What are you talking about, Brother Francis, about uh, forgiveness uh, has to go hand in hand with justification? It can't be separated. Well, look at Acts chapter 13, verse 38 to 39. I know there's uh, deep um, dispensational um, uh, discourse going on over here, but let's just look at the words that we're looking for. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men, brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the what? The forgiveness of sins. And by him all that what? Believe are justified from all things. Right? So for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The action is preaching. What is the reaction? What is supposed to be what is supposed to be the response you believe so it goes forgiveness and justification goes hand in hand so much so that in this verse i believe that they are used synonymously even you know i appeal to all of you guys who call on Oh, you know, the King James Bible is the only Bible that has uh, has a built-in dictionary. Well, this is one of that those issues. Those, I mean, this is one of those times where justification and forgiveness defines each other. Right? Whom we you could sorry, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, uh, again, I know the next verse over here, there's a lot of uh, dispensational things going on, talking about the, uh, um, the difference between the church, the body of Christ, and the little flock. But just bear with me for a second. Romans 3, 21 to 23. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So unto all and upon all them that believe. Okay? Look at these, this other verse over here. Um, for therefore, 1 Timothy 4.10, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially, or especially of those that believe. Unto all and upon all that believe. He is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Okay? I know there is a dispensational discourse going on over here for a separate Bible study. All that I wanted to say was that um, another application can be that, yes, forgiveness of sin uh, is available to all starting from the cross. But it is not applied to you in the gospel, or sorry, in in the dispensation of grace, until the time you believe. It's not even accessible, or, or it's not even applied unto those people in the little flock who's uh, forgiven or or or, or who's uh, blotting out of their sins according to Acts chapter number 3 is not until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how about you, friend? Have you gotten forgiveness of sins? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Amen and amen and amen. Let's go to number two, which is the sinner's prayer. Now, before we go forward, let's go back to our chart over here where I shall show you that we're in this green arrow here in the middle, which points to the body of Christ. That's us, church, the body of Christ. And we are in the mystery program. Right on the left, like right uh, right around um, or on Acts chapter number 7 in that line over there, um, says mystery to start the mystery program. What does that mean? And then right at the rapture, on the right-hand side of our green arrow, there's another orange arrow that says mystery to end the mystery program. Did you know that we in the mystery program are sandwiched by two other mysteries? What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. The one in the right of us, which will happen pr uh, pretty soon, amen, hopefully, uh, could be today. First Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 51 to 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an, of an eye, 
at the last last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed uh that's talking about the mystery of the catching away or the rapture okay now the arrow on our left is recorded in Romans chapter number 11 for i would not brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery lest ye should be wise in your own conceits what mystery that blindness in part is happened to israel until the fullness of the gentiles be come in so a lot of people are are ignorant of this mystery and what does paul say what happens when you are ignorant of the mystery that blindness in part is happened to israel what what happens then if you are ignorant there is a huge danger according to the apostle paul that people would be wise in their own conceits meaning they would be proud they'd be filled with pride and just ignorantly apply things that are not supposed to be for them ignorantly claim promises and blessings that are not supposed to be for them and they live a life of confusion okay why do i say that that's in romans chapter number 11 verse number 25 here's one thing that people think um here's one thing that people think um is part Did I say we were talking about forgiveness of sin or talking about the sinner's prayer? Sorry. <clears throat> Number two is the sinner's prayer. Here's one thing that a lot of people take and apply in their own lives when it's not supposed to be for them. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. This is part of that context where it was talking about the nation of Israel. I'll show you here in a bit. This is the verse in con- verses in con- in contest. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So obviously what we're reading from Romans chapter number 9 10 verses 9 to 10 is that a mouth confession needs to be made for salvation. So something needs to be done. A prayer is a work and we've seen that that verses when where in where the apostle Paul would say I labor in prayer with you so prayer is a work okay so and it's in the bible it's in romans chapter number 10 verses 9 and 10 so well then we should we should apply it plus it's 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 written by the apostle paul which brings us to why i showed you the sandwich mystery the mystery that the two mysteries that sandwiches are mystery program because in Romans 10 and 
that's when the Apostle Paul talks about the nation of Israel. Okay, So the context is talking about the nation of Israel. It's not talking about us, the church which is the body of Christ. Be careful. Learn the context first before you start applying things. Romans 10 verses 1 to 3 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the church, the body of Christ. Is that what it says? Uh, <clears throat> no. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Gentiles. Oh, <clears throat> no. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, which is later on we'll see the righteousness which is of the law, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So that is the context in which the primary verse that proves the sinner's prayer as a requirement for salvation is found. It's found in Romans chapter number 10, which is sort of like a parenthetical, if you will. Um, it shouldn't be if you're rightly dividing the, the word of truth. Um, but just for the sake of those who don't, it, it's, yes, it's found in the middle of the book of Romans that's written by the Apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, right? But it is talking about the, the nation of Israel, okay? Read, the, read those chapters and you'll find out that that's true. Now, going back to the sinner's prayer, there's, there's different wordings in different gospel tracts in different schools of thoughts, different churches, etc., 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 but what you will find uniform is that the formula will be some, in, you know, it could be in different order, but it would always, if not most of the time, it would always include these three categories. Number one, there must be an acknowledgement of the need for God. And that's where they tell, you know, you should acknowledge, you should believe, you should accept that you're a sinner. Okay. And, and that's true, uh, you know, or, there, you know, maybe another another part is where, where they would preach to somebody that that, hey, you can't save yourself. You need God. And that's true. Hey, and you see, just just a little lie makes, you know, added to truth. Can just veer you. Oh, you know, far, far away from the right path. So, you know, acknowledgement of the need for God. Plus the turning away from sin. From now on, dear God, I, you know, I promise that I turn away from sin. Plus the acceptance of Christ. And see, most of the time, this is where, you know, they would say, you know, Lord, I come, I ask you, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I ask you now to come into my heart, and I, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, you will notice that a lot of these statements over here hold some sort of truth within them. Okay? Okay. 
Like, it is good to turn away from sin. However, turning away of, from sin is not a requirement for salvation, especially it cannot be required from people who are spiritually dead. Turning away from sin can be a fruit or a result that happens right after salvation, but it can never be in our time right now a requirement for salvation. Okay? Now, going back to, to the acknowledgement of the need for God, yeah, sure, you know, that's true that pe people are sinners. It's true that we cannot save themselves, that, that we cannot save ourselves. But if you add turning away from sin or the requirement of prayer, then you are adding something to truth and it becomes a lie. Now, what about the acceptance of Christ? Asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You know that the heart is deceitful. The heart is desperately wicked. You know, it is um, above all things. It is desperately wicked. How about, you know, some people say, I ask you to come into my heart. Please save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that all sound, while, while that all sounds nice and mushy and gushy, absent from all of this equation is the explanation of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absent is the simple response that is needed, which is belief. Now, what verse do people use? What verses do people use to say that, hey, these things are requirements for salvation, the sinner's prayer? Luke 18, verses 9 to 14, um, is a parable spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despise others, or and despise others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. By the way, before I, I go forward, I've heard pastors and preachers use this while they were quote-unquote witnessing or sharing uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ to other people. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even ask this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this man, and this is these these next verses are what they would use to say that uh, justification comes by praying. Okay, but this is during the time of the the kingdom gospel. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, this again, this is during the time of the prophecy period or the gospel 
time. Now let's look at another verse, or the gospel of the kingdom time. Let's let's look at another verse. When the Lord Jesus Christ was at the cross. We know what happened, and there were two, there were two malefactors right right next to him, and one said, Luke twenty four forty two. He said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, we've already established the fact many times that praying is a work. Some people would say that this guy is the exception to the rule, that all he did was believed. Right? He had to call the Lord Jesus Christ Lord, meaning calling him, you know, by faith, Jumping to the conclusion, if you will, jumping to the faith that Lord is the Messiah and he's the king. Remember me when thou comest into thy, not, not even heaven, into thy kingdom. So a lot of people say, see, there's proof that that is the sinner's prayer in action. As a requirement for salvation. What's what's the problem there in those two verses in Luke 18 and 24? None of them says anything about our gospel, which is the death, burial, resurrection of and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4 says, if our gospel be hid. It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the kingdom. Nope. The devil does not care if you if you bask in the light of the gospel of the kingdom. The devil does not care if he bask in the light of a different gospel because he knows that that gospel, any other gospel except for the gospel of Christ, will save you at this time. So he says, oh, yeah, you want to bask in the light of the gospel of the kingdom? Go ahead. Be confused. No problem. You know, be religious. Go to that church that preaches, that mixes with the gospel of the kingdom with everything. Go ahead and flourish. Matter of fact, I'll give you buildings. Matter of fact, I'll give you uh, buses and assets and reputation and a huge crowd. Go ahead and bask in that light of the gospel of the kingdom. Why? Because those things does not do you do not do you any good. It does not save you. What does he want you to blind you from? The glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, we've read this before, Galatians chapter number one, verses six to nine. Because a lot of people will say, you know, you know, who am I to be the judge of whether people are saved depending on whether they prayed or not? Who am I to judge? If people are saved, whether they prayed a prayer after they believed or whether they believe before walking down the aisle or whether they believe what before, right before they raised their hand or after doing these things, right? 
That, see, that's not the fact. The fact of the matter is, if people keep insisting that those things are important, then they are preaching those things to you. They are crying out that these things are requirements, whether, whether they use those words or not. And what does the Bible say? Galatians 1, 6 to 9. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto what? Another gospel. And then he defines what this another gospel is. It's not another gospel. It's not, which is not another. It's not like the gospel of the devil or the gospel of Lucifer or the gospel of the confused people. No, it's the gospel of the grace of Christ, the gospel of Christ. that wherein when people or where wherein people add perversions to watch but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ so what is another gospel the gospel of Christ plus perversions who are we to judge whether they whether they're saved if they prayed or not watch what he says next but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. What's he saying? Right? The Apostle Paul is saying that guy is unsaved. Don't even listen to him. See? As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Whether it's the Apostle Paul or some other leader of a group or some other big shot, whether he's he's had a uh, uh, three, uh, 3,500 uh, in Sunday school attendance or three that are teetering and tottering into his YouTube ministry, whoever he is, if he insists on this, then he is not saved. Well, some some preachers who even preachers who rightly divide the word of truth say, well, well, brother, it's not my business to judge. It's not my business to judge. Well, that's true. Except for the fact that the Apostle Paul already has judged. It's his gospel. If you add to it and you insist on praying as an addition, as a requirement, then they are unsaved. You're not judging them. The Apostle Paul has already judged. All you have to do is believe what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 3. I know the context is about, uh, about adultery in the church. Uh, immorality, but watch what he says. For I verily as absent in the body. I'm not even there, the Apostle Paul says. I don't have to be there, but present in the Spirit, right? Have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done, that had so done this deed. I don't have to be there, the Apostle Paul is saying to us right now. I have, you have the writings that I, that the Holy Spirit gave us through me. If they add something else to the gospel, they are unsaved. If anyone insists on the sinner's prayer being a requirement for salvation, they are applying something from another dispensation into ours. Hence, they are un.
saved. I didn't say that. The Apostle Paul said, said that. And he had inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Any problem about that, take that up with him. Amen. Which leads us to number three, repentance. Okay? So this is the last for our Bible study this week. And I hope uh, you you uh, are um, learning and getting something from rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, please make sure to send those emails to us at thepaulinefellowship at gmail.com. Now, man's definition of repentance. Is repentance a, um, what do you call this, a requirement for salvation for us today? Okay, so man's definition of repentance. Webster's 1828. American Dictionary of the English Language. I have this dictionary. I like quoting from this dictionary. However, that dictionary is not the King James Bible, so it will have mistakes. Amen. It is not the final authority. Now, he describes, he defines it, repentance, as sorrow for anything done or said. The pain or grief which a person experiences in consequence, the injury or inconvenience produced by his own conduct. Meaning, if we're going to take that um, definition and say, hey, you have to repent for your sins, <coughs> excuse me, to be saved, that means you have to be sad about the things that you have done. It, does that make sense? The gospel, according to the, the apostle Paul, says, no, it does not. Excuse me. The internetdictionary.com um, defines it as deep sorrow, compunction or contrition for a past sin, wrongdoing, or the like. Okay? So it goes one step further than Webster's 1828. It's not just sorrow, it has to be deep sorrow. You can't be saved if you don't have deep sorrow. Catholic Encyclopedia says that repentance is. Heartfelt sorrow with the firm purpose of sinning no more. So not only do you have to be sad to be saved from your for your sins, not only do you have to have deep sorrow, you have to have heartfelt sorrow that you would be willing to walk from the back of the the chapel or the cathedral, Catholic cathedral, to the front with your on your knees, and you have to have a firm purpose of sinning no more. Obviously, we know that this is all absurd. Now, here's the Prince of Preachers. Charles Spurgeon said that it is, quote, a turning from sin, a loathing of it. And if thou hast that, thou hast sure repentance, but not else. So if you don't have a deep loathing of it, if you haven't turned from it, then you have not repented. It's a, also a sense of shame of having lived in it. See? You can't, you can't have repentance, hence salvation, if you haven't had a deep loathing of it. Okay? Last but not the least here, for time's sake, uh, from the captain of the Baptist team, John R. Rice, repent or perish. What do I mean by repent? I mean to turn your heart from your sin 
turn from sin in your heart and start out to live for God. Now, so those are the definitions by men of the word repentance. But the Bible def de uh, defines the word repentance in three ways. So I'm not necessarily saying that all of those definitions are wrong. Okay? But remember, the issue in question is repentance for, from sin. And that it is a requirement for salvation. Okay? So let's look at the three de definitions of the word repentance from the, the built-in dictionary of the King James Bible. Right? Genesis 6.6. 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So the first definition of the word repentance is uh, grieving. So just like some, some of those men says, you have to have sorrow for your sin, right? So does that mean that uh, the Lord had sin that he was sad about? No, God cannot sin. He will never sin. Amen. The second definition is Job 42, verse 6, whereof I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Some people are, the, the next definition is abhor, where some people say that it has to be a deep resentment of your sin. Okay. And then last but not the least, Exodus chapter 32, verse 12 Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief? This is, by the way, Moses trying to bargain with God who repented of, uh, of um, you know, dealing with those people. He wanted to continue his, uh, his uh, covenant with Moses instead. Uh, anyway, he says, for mischief did he bring them out? He said, Lord, the Egyptians are going to mock you and question what you said. And he, they're going to say, uh, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Okay? So the third definition of the word repentance is turn. Is to turn. So, what now? A lot of people will use the, the third definition over here to turn as a change of heart or a change of mind. And even I, I would hear some, uh, I would hear uh, right dividers who would even use that and say, well, I have no, I have no problem if they use that to change their heart and mind that they can't uh, save themselves and just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've I've heard them say that, but before that, let's go. Let's go uh, forward and discuss further. But a lot of people use the word grieve and abhor and say, if you don't turn from your sins, if you don't grieve from your sin, if you or grieve about your sin, if you don't hate sin, then you are not saved. See. The application of the term repentance depends highly in its context, meaning repent to turn from what to what. Why? Because you're sad or because you abhor what's going on, so you're going to turn from what to what, right? Before the cross, it was repent and turn to Christ who is our king. 
you have gotten you have gone after many kings before now turn to Christ who is the real king you have turned to many kings before and so God even gave you the chance and sent you to other different kings repent and turn to Christ who is our king after the cross it was repent or grieve sorry about the spelling there and abhor the fact that you crucify the Christ who is our Messiah and repent and turn to him. Right? So that's why repentance, you will always see that in the gospel uh, of the kingdom. Right? If we are take if we are talking about repentance from sin, typo again. You can see that somebody was in a hurry when typing this. This is because of my production team, which obviously is inexistent. It's just me. <laughs> if we are talking about repentance from sin, this cannot be required of someone who is spiritually dead. Okay? Nobody can turn from their sin un, you know, while they are yet unsaved. Amen. Well, even even actually when when people are already saved and they have believed, be still in the flesh, uh commit sin. Now, a, a different topic for a different time is our eternal salvation or eternal security, if you will. But suffice it to say for this time number 1 to summarize, um Forgiveness of sins during the gospel of the kingdom is conditional and future. During the gospel of Christ, it is unconditional and upon belief. The sinner's prayer is not required. Amen. All you have to do is believe. Repentance from sin. You cannot turn from sin. You cannot it, it being sad for sin for sin and abhorring the bad things you have done is is not it cannot be a requirement for you to be saved if you are dead spiritually. Now it might be, it can be an effect after you're saved, but it cannot be a requirement. Why? All you have to do is believe. Now, to be saved, like I said earlier, a lot of gospel, uh, even myself, I would use this as an excuse. Uh, back when I first started rightly dividing the word of truth, I would just say, well, let's just use the word turn or change of heart or change of mind as the repentance that is required for salvation. But let me submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, the language or the cry the message or the sermon of Peter and the apostle to the circumcision has always been repent. That's what they cried in the streets. Repent. Okay. So why use the language that is reserved for the, um, for the uh, miss no no the prophecy program 
when we have our own language. Because the language or the cry, the message, or the sermon of the Apostle Paul has always been, for us especially, believe. How about you, friend? Again, to summarize, number one, forgiveness of sin. You don't have to wait for it in the future. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe. And as soon as you do, friend, if you're not saved yet, you can get forgiveness of sin. All you have to do is be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And the sacrifice you have, uh, his sacrifice alone can save you. The, the book of Romans sac uh, uh, um, summarizes it as faith in his blood. How about it, friend? Number two, sinner's prayer. Sinner's prayer. You don't have to keep on praying for God to save you. It's not a requirement for sin, for salvation. You don't, it's not, it's, you know, it's just, it's just adding to so much confusion. All you have to do is believe. And last but not the least, again, we'll talk about more, more of this in depth in the coming weeks. Last but not the least, repentance. You don't have to turn from sin, friend. Once you get saved, once you believe, then the Holy, and, and, you, and you feast on God's words and you grow in grace and you grow in, in the faith which the Apostle Paul has given to us, that's when the Lord will give you the strength to abhor or to despise sin. But that is not, turning from your sin is not a, a, a requirement for salvation. All you have to do is believe. How about it, friend? Would you be saved right now? Would you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, was buried, and the third day rose again? How about it, friend? I hope you uh, were blessed, and I hope you learned from what we just talked about, the doctrinal differences between the kingdom gospel and the kingdom or the gospel of Christ. And like I said, hopefully, God willing, we'll have uh, more time to talk about this in depth uh, in the coming weeks here. But um, thank you for your faithfulness. I hope if there's anyone that here that that's not saved and who's listening, I hope uh, that you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And hey, let us know what's going on with you guys in your lives. Um, if uh, there are different ways to reach us, of course, you can reach us at Facebook, uh, TPF1611 for the Pauline Fellowship. We're also at Instagram, um, the Pauline Fellowship, or just look for hashtag TPF1611. Of course, our YouTube uh, YouTube channel, just look for the Pel uh, the Pauline Fellowship. Like I said earlier, uh, subscribe and hit that bell. Uh, we're still not know we're st we still don't know what's going on with Zoom. Um, the the desire is to have live Bible studies and meetings, but everyone's just in different time zones, and so uh, we're just not. And not everyone's available to do that. So continue to be in prayer. 
Also, like I said earlier in the beginning, all our recordings, all our videos are also being recorded as just the audio version. So you can download it. You can subscribe and download from our Workman Unashamed podcast. Uh, you can either go to the workmanunashamed.captivate.fm. That's our website. Or search for the Workman Unashamed podcast at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you have, if you have any feedback, whether that's uh, an email or sorry, a, a, a violent reaction or correction, I don't claim to know everything, and I'm not perfect. Uh, still learning. Um, you have feedback, correction, reactions, uh, or even if you know how you were blessed, and you would like us to read it in in our uh, videos. Please feel free to email those to the Pauline Fellowship at gmail.com. You can also send us some questions that if you would like to like us to answer in our Bible studies, we would be glad to do that as well. Once again, everyone, I would like to say thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you.